0: So Matthew chapter 16, I'm starting this new series. I'm very excited about this. Um, I want to talk about why I love the church. And and I want to say my church, but I really want to say his church. And so I've decided that we're going to title this, I love his slash my church. Because I don't want to be a part of the church if it's not his I don't want to be a part of a church if I if if I don't feel ownership, if I don't feel like I, I can belong. But before I can feel ownership, I've got to know that he purchased the church. So Matthew chapter 16 is where we're starting. I'm going to say a, a quick prayer because once I start teaching, I'm just going to stay right in that vein. And uh, I thank Sister Denny. I appreciate her. Uh, Brother Neil, all the team that's working behind the scenes are cameramen that are making this happen. There's going to be a lot of scriptures tonight. If you can't follow them all and you want the notes after the fact, don't worry. We'll get you the notes. We'll, we'll help you out with that, okay? But let's pray. Lord Jesus, wherever they're at, maybe they're uh, sitting outside in a, in a vehicle watching on a phone. Maybe they're in the basement. Maybe they're in the bedroom. Maybe they're just all gathered around in the living room. I'm not sure the place, but you do. If you know every time a hair falls from our head, if you're concerned with the sparrow when it falls, then you certainly have your eyes on every member of Calvary Tabernacle. Those that uh, tonight maybe have been a little bit overwhelmed and maybe some that are battling sickness, I pray that you'd put health into them. I pray that you'd put strength into the minds of those that have been overwhelmed, maybe battling some trepidation during this time. But right now, I pray that you would anoint me to minister what I feel as we launch into this new series, as we talk about loving the church. I believe it's your desire. If we're going to be like you, we're going to love the church because you loved the church enough to purchase it. I pray you'd help us tonight as we study through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18 is where we're starting. And the words that are said there in this uh, a very famous interaction between Christ and the disciples is when Jesus looks at Peter and says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We really didn't need that second part, uh, but it sure helps and it's really fun to preach. Even the gates of hell. Will not prevail against the church, but sometimes I hear us, if we're not careful, jump too quickly across the first part there, which is so critical. He said, "I'm going to be the one to build my church. I'm going to be the one." And while uh, while we work through and begin in this series, it's important for us to remember from the beginning, it is Him that builds the church. Of all the recorded words of Jesus, this this has to be one of the most powerful sets, the most prophetic declarations. I will build my church, and then for good measure, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I suppose that over the course of the past 2,000 years or so, so many men, women, organizations have attempted to build churches. They've attempted to build buildings and organizations for a variety of reasons. And if we're honest, ladies and gentlemen, maybe some for even impure motives. Um, Maybe for personal gain. Maybe even for earthly kingdom. We've seen this along the way. And we always have to come back to the reality that the church has to be built by Him for it to be effective in any way. It can never be solely about me, solely about you, solely about our agenda. It's only if our agenda is His agenda. That's why I, 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 one of my favorite statements is, especially in the ministry, we don't just work for God, we work with God. And that's the goal, to work with Him, not just for Him. If you feel like you work for God, somewhere along the way, you'll think He owes you something for that work. But no, you come alongside and you work with him at the blessing and the favor of the Lord. We're reminded that temporary buildings, they do get older, they do age, they do deteriorate. We all would remember the devastating image, and you would see of April from last year when Notre Dame there in Paris, France. I've been privileged multiple times to be there and step into this beautiful building. And it was devastating to see uh, the, the fire as it was ripping out of the ceiling and, and engulfing the steeple. I, I, I was almost overwhelmed to sit and watch. But I remember, I remember in this moment, in this place where I. I found myself reminded the church is bigger than a building. The church is greater than structure. It's greater than, than, than drywall and wood and pews and steeples. We, we have to be reminded right now during COVID, <laughs> during online church, the church is bigger than a building. It's bigger than just the four walls, as it were, of a structure. But the church is made up of you, And me, right there at your address where you receive mail and all the bills you don't want and the random checks that maybe you do, right there is where the church is. Yes, I thank God for the structure of the church. You've heard me preach on that. But the foundation of the church, which we're going to talk about tonight, which was purchased by His blood, is made up of His people. Psalms 127, verse 1 It tells us, except the Lord build the house, they that labor, they labor in vain to build it. I don't know how you feel tonight, but I'm sure you're just like me. I don't like the thought of working in vain. And I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, as we're launching kind of towards the fall, as a hopefully a, a wave goodbye very soon to COVID, and as we launch into this series, as I preached about prayer at the foundation uh, being laid here just a, a, a Sunday night ago, two weeks ago, I want to make sure that as we launch into this, this series, we are reminded, yes, I love my church because it's His church. And unless He builds it, everything we do, is going to be in vain. So the first point I want to really talk to you about tonight is that His church, my church, is God built. Right there, go ahead and write that down in your notes or in your phone, wherever or however you're taking notes tonight, because it's a critical point that His church, my church, that I love and that He loves is built by Him. Go ahead and repeat after me and say this out loud. I don't want a man-made church. That's exactly right. I don't want a man-made church. I don't want a church where we uh, have great structure and we have uh, great things. No, don't get me wrong. I want great structure. I love it when the singers sing on key. I, I love it when the musicians play in tune, when they've practiced to give their best. But we don't want a church That people have to think that it was manufactured by the hands of men and women. That's not what we're after. We're after a church that rests on the foundation of Scripture and the power of Jesus Christ. Then the people come in with that plan and that's what makes it powerful. That's when His church becomes my church. It's abundantly clear from Scripture, in particular in our text from Matthew 16, that Jesus is the builder of the church. The church. The church. I can't overemphasize that enough. The church. The one church. The true church. The Jesus name church. The church of one God. He built it and He bought it. Wow, if it was a Sunday and I was just preaching, that would be a great launching pad. I'd become a helicopter right now on the reality that He built it, He bought it. It's His church. What a powerful thing it is, really, for us to come alongside. Well, let's look at Acts 20, verse 28 for this purchase thing. This is a great portion of Scripture to have highlighted in your Bible if you don't. "'Take heed, therefore unto yourselves.'" And to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers, to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. It's what we were singing about tonight. We weren't singing that because those are lovely or cute lyrics. And the truth is, ladies and gentlemen, if you think about them, those are horrific lyrics but they are powerful in the reality of what they mean for us that He and He alone purchased the church. That's why we guard who we try to please in the way that we live. We're trying to please the one who died for us and who purchased the church with His own blood. So the reality of the Scripture goes on. When man builds anything, uh, here we have to understand that, that He's made us overseers of the church which He hath what? purchased with His own blood. His own blood. Let's think about the normal construction process that takes place. Some of you have been through the construction process. Some of you are actively involved in that, maybe even for work. Um, I've done done quite a bit of remodeling along along the way and and uh, I've learned how much I really don't know about it. I've learned some good things. I'm not a great plumber. Maybe I should just go on the record and tell you I'm not a great plumber. I can do some things plumbing. Uh, there's a chance it's, it's just of the devil when it comes to my efforts of working with it. But uh, for those of you that can do it, I think you get a special jewel in your crown one day. There's an architect who designs it. There's a general contractor involved in the building. There's suppliers that are involved for providing materials. The general contractor will even provide and secure subcontractors who are bringing assembling material, putting workers together. And then you're gonna have those people that finish. Uh, when it comes to drywall, I have the ability to rough it in, but when it comes to that finish, that artwork. And, and then a lot of times there's investment that comes even from another outside party and it, it works very differently. That That's just kind of the way I would tell you that when it comes to a building program of any sort in natural building, there's a lot of different elements at play. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you know, just like I do, there's no difference there when it comes to the church in the regards that it takes a lot of people. And that's part of what this series is going to be about. We're going to talk about getting everyone that wants to and everyone that is willing tightly knit into the body. You have something great to give to the kingdom of God. And we want to see that utilized at Calvary Tabernacle. I don't want any person to have to say, well, there wasn't really a place for me to get involved. Ladies and gentlemen, there is a place for you to get involved. There's a place for you to plugged in, get plugged in. And that's where we're going in this, in this series. But when it comes to the church as a whole, it's important to remember that Jesus Christ is the designer and the architect. He was, according to Revelation 13.8, the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He he had a plan in place to purchase from the beginning. He's the supplier of the right materials. Philippians 4.19, "...but my God shall supply all of your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus." He's not just the beginner, and He's not just the ender, not just the finisher. Hebrews 12, 2, He's the author and the finisher of our faith. What a great great thing it is to know that if God starts a process, God's going to finish the process. And I think all of us would agree, um, it's it's us who gives up early, not God, (laughs) It's us who too often we walk away quick when the Lord is still trying to work us forward. The fact that Jesus Christ is in control, ladies and gentlemen, really it should relieve a lot of pressure for us. You should be able to just relax a little bit in that, it doesn't make us sloppy. Uh, uh, It doesn't mean that we can just be lethargic or apathetic. No, but it should allow us to relax and take a little bit of pressure off of us that we are not responsible for making the church powerful. Woo! I can tell you as pastor, that takes an enormous amount of pressure off me knowing that at my very best, I cannot produce the power of His Spirit. That is entirely up to Him. He is, however, going to take care of the church. That's why I feel so good about it. Number one, I'm not in control of it. He's the builder. He's the author. He'll be the finisher of it. He's going to be the same and consistent through all of it. And the great news about this is, He wants the church to thrive. So much, in fact, that in our opening Scripture, He said the gates of hell aren't going to prevail. What does that mean? That does not just mean that you as a member of the church thrive when you're here in this building. Yeah, but we're an online church. Yeah, but you were the church when you walked out. I believe that the angel of the Lord can be drawn right to your house this very night. I believe the favor of God can be there with you. Those that have been battling sickness, some of you are watching. I feel prompted of the Holy Ghost right now to tell you. The Spirit of God can move in your house, can reach right into your room, and you can feel the touch of God. How is that possible? You're the church, ladies and gentlemen. You are the church Of the living God and the power of the name Jesus Christ is over you. You might ought to lift your hands right there and receive that right now. If you say, well, I'm not sure how to pray that. It feels a little awkward. Well, just lift your hands and say the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the the one who started your life. He's the one who's going to see you through. Even the gates of hell shall not prevail. I know you quote that, but you need to quote it in this context. I'm the church. And the gates of the gates of hell are not going to prevail against me, amen. Second point I want to talk about tonight: His church slash my church here. My church is different than the church I go to. Okay, um, what do you mean by that? There's a difference between it being your church and the church you go to. Now, some are saying, I've heard that for so many years. Well, I apologize. I want us to talk about it again because some have not. When your church, uh, or when it's your church, you can't just walk by trash on the ground. Right. When you get to be here on Sunday morning, you see a wrapper on the ground, you don't think, that's for somebody else. Let the cleaning crew get that. Sure. I try to teach my children, and I try to do it myself. If I see a rapper on the ground, I can't walk past that in the church. Why? This isn't just the church I go to. This is my church. And I love my church. I want to pick it up. It's not somebody else's responsibility. If it's just the church I go to, then I probably don't feel the need to be in prayer daily for it. I probably don't need to feel to connect with other members. Introvert or extrovert alike. I would tell you that when it's your church, you want to be connected. You want to be connected to the body. You're not looking for ways to stay away, but many of us that are watching tonight, we can't wait to get here on Sunday morning. I know there's been some uh, uneasiness. I recognize there have been some, some, it's a unique season, ladies and gentlemen. We have to identify that. But we should be longing, if we're physically able, longing to be at the house of God. Why? That's my church. When you hear about Fletcher Avenue, it lights something up inside of you that maybe the average person, it wouldn't do anything for them. But, but to you, that's my church because that's His church. And that's how you feel about it. Uh, you feel the need to, to pray. For other members of the church, for those that are sick, you see the name on the board, you, you, you recognize, you hear through the grapevine, or, or now commonly known as Facebook, about the sickness of someone. It's not just for you to share the news. Here's my, here's my plea with you as pastor, if you're quick to share it on Facebook, make sure you shared it with God first. Make sure that you shared it in prayer, that you took time and you prayed over them. Why am I invested in the teaching as a a saint, as a member, as a part of Calvary Tabernacle? Why am I invested in teaching? Why am I invested in preaching? Why am I invested in worship? Because this is my church. Go ahead and say it right where you're at. It's my church. I feel ownership. And, and, And I guess this would be my question. If everybody at Calvary Tabernacle... If everyone, think about this filter. If everybody at Calvary Tabernacle acted like you, prayed like you, gave like you, worshiped like you, what kind of church would Calvary Tabernacle be? Some of you would be listening to this right now. You're watching along and you say, hey, back up off my shoes a little bit. You, you know, you're getting heavy. Uh, but the reality is I'm talking to me and letting you listen. That's why I'm committed to be a, a worshiper. I'm committed to giving. I'm committed to giving not just of my finances, but of my time and of my energy and of my prayer and of my intercession. Why? Because I love my church. Because this is His church. And He loves His church. How would, how would man do it? Scary really think about. <clears throat> how would man build the church? I've got to walk over here and grab my... Water. I'm gonna tell you, if if man was building the church, I'm afraid I'm afraid we might do it with a skewed perspective. Because if we were very honest about it, I don't think we would have started the story, the story of Christ, the birth, the the manger. I've heard it said all my life. I don't think we would have started things the way we do because we think of things a little more plush. We think of things a little nicer, a little easier road. And so if we were trying to build the church from the beginning, from the ground up, I fear the predictability about it. But let's just try to put that into a modern context. Rather than the inception of the church as a whole, let's just think about a a modern day individual, maybe a pastor in some city. I I work with uh, our North American missions team all the time and talk to them and and we try to help them with finances through youth ministries. And so let's take the average North American missions pastor that's been given the opportunity for finances in a city. What's he looking for? He's probably going to be looking for a pristine piece of property. He wants some high visibility, a place on a main intersection if possible. He wants great traffic. He's going to try to be maybe the perfect pastor. He probably would love to design that church with perfect people. People that never that never go flat when they're singing, people that never never miss service, people that walk in, their, their families all together, there's never been any any trouble with them. And, and maybe if the average person tried to line all this up, but ladies and gentlemen, if we, if we do this, almost every one of us is gonna be excluded real quick. We, we would not even fit in the church that many people would design. The church is not designed for perfect people. It was purchased by a perfect God for imperfect people. You say, Brother Carson, yep, yeah, I've got all these things in my life. I've got all these things in my background. That's what makes your worship so powerful. When you come in here, and on Sunday morning, I hope, you're, I hope you're able to join us and do this. And, and they begin to lead in worship. And, and you lift your hands. Imagine what it does to hell when you lift your hands. Let me give you one even more than that. What if you don't wait on Sunday and right there in your home right now because you love what He's done for you? You threw your hands up right now and magnified God because you're not perfect outside of Him and you don't have it all together without him in fact we struggle to make it from day to day without failure but not only is he going to take us from this from day to day he's going to take us from time to eternity right. for being a part of the church what a blessing it is to be a part of the church so yes i am so thankful i thank god in fact i tell you i love my church. But here's why. Because I love my God. I love my church because I love my God. I love my church because it's filled with with people who recognize they don't deserve to be here. Just like me, they recognize they do not deserve it. Families that have been broken, marriages that have been wounded, children that have suffered neglect. And, and by all rights of society, so many should carry so much more baggage than you do. But the cross we were singing about earlier is where you found the blood to wash every one of those sins and every one of those problems. And so you're able to walk around with your head held high, not in arrogance from your own ability, but in the power and demonstration of the Holy Ghost, recognizing I'm a part of the church and what a powerful thing it really is thankfully he's God and I'm not (laughs) thankfully no offense thankfully he's God and you're not the beginning of a proper worldview starts with that reality in the beginning God (laughs) it's him he's the start of it all And if there's anything good coming out of it, it's because He enabled it. Number three, God builds for the long term. Uh Uh-huh. You need to jot that down. God builds for the long term. Because my most important point I would really feel for you tonight is to teach you about the foundation of the church the foundation of this church that I love. We need programs, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to say it again. We need programs. We need presentations. We need our young marrieds to connect. We need our youth group to be strong. We need to have powerful youth services. We need to have uh, places for our elders to connect on and on and on, from the youngest of children to the eldest of our saints, I want there to be programs and groups and places for connection and ministry. But those things are all tools. They're necessary tools, but there are, they're, they're tools. At the end of the day, there's only one who saves, and it won't be a program, it won't be a tool. It won't be a catchy slogan. It won't be an updated website. It won't even be a new podcast. Unless on that podcast, somebody hears about the power of the name of Jesus Christ. Acts 4.12 tells us, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. God's plan... For the church, His church is His people. It was, it is, and it will be people turning from sin to Him, being baptized in His name, repenting of their sins, being filled with His Spirit, but not stopping there, becoming witnesses of Him. But I want to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. I think living a Christian life is meant to be living an overcoming life. Living with joy and peace and strength. I want to take you to the Old Testament prophet, Isaiah chapter 61, that we would later read Jesus. He would be be speaking from it in, in the Gospel of Luke. We could read later. Isaiah 61, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek, bind up the brokenhearted, liberty to the captives, the opening of prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give them, watch this, beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, for they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. Why? That He might be glorified. That He might be glorified. The church and the members of the church are meant to bring glory to God. Whether you're a an individual that ever steps on a, a, a platform, or maybe you're just one of those people that you just you clean around behind the scenes, and you're involved in somewhere. And maybe you're a person that feels a burden for shut-ins, and you call shut-ins, and you encourage them, and you pray for them. Maybe you're somebody that shows up randomly outside the building, and and you just clean up around the building. Maybe you work on the lawn a little bit. Maybe you periodically go over to the school and you drop off baked goods for the teachers, or you send a little prayer note over there to them. What? What are you saying? I'm just giving all these different areas to show you and remind you that as He has done in your life, so it ought to be the fruit of the Spirit that is now coming from you as we reflect Christ. Why would I do those things? Because I love my church. And I love the members of the church. And it's reflected as the result of, I love what He did in my life. I love what He did for me. He transforms the sinner. Hmm. He delivers the bound. He rescues the lost. Gives us entire parables about walking around and then leaving 99 and going for one. We we watch Him. He, He does it because He's the builder of the church. He's the builder of the church. Like a contractor, one nail at a time. He's the builder of the church. One piece of wood at a time. Fitly put together, cutting the angles just precise, measuring twice and cutting once so that it's accurate. He did not, listen, it's important regardless of what you ever heard as a young person, regardless of what you ever might've endured. And if you endured hardship, that I, I, troubles me for you, but it's important for you to know God did not accidentally design you. And it's critical for you to know, regardless of your your nationality, regardless of your ethnicity, regardless of your background, regardless of your pedigree, regardless of your level of education, you belong in the church. You belong here and we want you to feel as a part. Well, I don't really connect with other uh, young adults, or I haven't connected with any other young families. Well, I promise you we're going to do our very best to have programs in place that you can connect. But you need to know that one of the tools of the enemy is to try to make you feel unworthy of connection to make you feel like you don't have a way that you can belong. So I want you to know, I want you to hear me right now. You belong in the church. We're better We're better with you here. We're better with you woven into the fabric of the church in what area, in whatever way. For those that are burdened to take pictures, there's a place for you. For those of you that are burdened to run a sweeper, there's a place for you. For those of you that are burdened to minister, there's a place for you. For those of you that are burdened to run a camera, there's a place for you. Yes, for those of you that are burdened to teach Bible studies, oh, there's a place for you. For those of you that are burdened to be a part of a baptismal team, there's a place for you. For those of you that are more interested in washing baptismal robes, there's a place for you. Said, so, "Pastor, what are you talking about?" It's not the will of God that you be disconnected, but rather very connected to the church because you love your church because you love His church. Let's move forward here. Ephesians chapter 2 starts to detail and talk about materials and structure that God uses when He builds a church. Now therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints in the household of God. Christ Himself, Jesus Christ Himself, being what? The chief cornerstone. God was extremely careful when it came to the foundation, the pouring of the church. If the foundation is not right, everything will be wrong. If the foundation is not poured correctly, and it doesn't have the, the appropriate work done, then everything that gets built on top has the potential to crumble. There's nothing more valuable than the strength of foundation. There's always signs, isn't there, that indicates when the foundation's wrong? I'm not going to take time to even go into the construction, but I, I will tell you that I've walked a lot of homes. I own an older home in Ohio and that I use as a rental property, and during that period of time when we were purchasing that home, we went through many, many older homes, and we walked through looking for kind of a renovation property. And I remember time after time as we walked through those older homes that the inspections and the, and the way I had been trained and taught to go and look at the walls, they weren't... Talk- teaching me or showing me and my, my dad hadn't talked to me about looking at the ground for foundation issues. He was taking me to the walls. And he was showing me the signs in the walls to point to the foundation issues. And unfortunately, so many people, when it comes to the spiritual things in their life, and unfortunately, too many churches, they look at these signs and they think that this is the problem. The wall's the problem. The crack is the problem. And the truth is, lady and, ladies and gentlemen, it's not the wall at all. It's not this program that's the problem. It's not this situation over here. It's, not that, it, it's a foundation issue. And when they get to the root of the matter, it's a foundation area for, mo- for mo- or a foundation issue. For most of us, if we could really evaluate the foundation of who we are, we would get to the evaluation of whether or not the foundation of everything we do really starts with prayer, really starts with fasting, and starts with His Word. Cracks will begin to appear above the doors. Yeah, that happens spiritually too there's signs of stress, fractures, and pressure that happens when, yeah, that happens spiritually too. You know what I'm talking about. It happens in a house. It might happen as a crack down the side of the drywall. In a life, it happens when there's a foundation issue, but all of a sudden a man snaps at his wife. It happens when all of a sudden you're irritable. It happens when, when maybe the things that you know, you've been a kind demeanor. I, 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 I used to annoy uh, young people, I know, but I would ask them. I would see a young, young person's temperament and they'd come in for a meeting and they were frustrated. And I did this with some adults, but um, especially with young people, I, I would ask them this question. How's your prayer life? Are you praying? Is the foundation of who you are out of balance? Because ladies and gentlemen, when we try to be spiritual people that do not pray, Wow, that is a recipe for disaster. Paul was kind of teaching us and, and allowing us to understand the foundation of the church, that true church we're talking about. It's got the apostles and the prophets, the apostles of the New Testament, the prophets of the Old Testament, and and most importantly, Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone, the Jehovah of the Old Testament. We recognize that the Jehovah of the Old Testament was revealed, the Word of God being manifest, becoming flesh in the New Testament. We believe when we say the name of Jesus Christ, we say the name of God. Amen. Amen. Why does that matter? Why do we need to talk about that? Because, ladies and gentlemen, that's foundation. You can't love His church without loving that. You can't love... You can't say, well, I love the church, and not believe that. You can love a church, but you can't love the church without loving the name of Jesus Christ. John 14, 5 and 6. Thomas saith unto him, Lord... We know not whither thou goest. How can we know the way? What did Jesus say? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. A church is only as strong as its foundation. Now, I could speak, and I feel like I could do a pretty good job based on study at this point about the rich heritage and history of men and women. And I think we're going to get there during this series. But the foundation I'm talking about reaches way farther beyond any people that we would know in the last hundred years. The foundation of this church is long before Indianapolis ever came into play for any of us. A church is as strong as its foundation, and so that's why I take you and tell you that if we're going to be anything, we're going to be founded on this Word. We're going to be founded on the Word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Now, I want to stop for a moment and I want to talk just about those things and I'm not going to take a long time, but for most of us, those are not real great words, okay? Uh, Inspiration of God, yes, that's awesome. That's something to shout about. That's something to write a song about. But then he goes straight on. And for doctrine. Okay, okay, I like doctrine. Doctrine's good. But the problem is what chases doctrine is reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness. If I'm going to love my church, I need my church to tell me the truth whether I want to hear it or not. If I love my church, then I'm... I'm going to need pastor to preach the truth from the Word of God. And uh, I, I love my pastor, Pastor Bulgren. He, I've heard him say it. If I've heard him say it once, I've heard him say it a thousand times. I'm not your pastor. I'm your pastor. And he's usually saying that when he's having to let the Word do a little correcting. The reality of uh, the Word of God is there's times, there's times when it really does feel like reproof. There are times when it really does feel like correction. And it really does feel like I'm getting instruction. I feel silly sometimes. I'll I'll read it. Have you ever read a text and and you've read it over and over and over? You've heard the story and all of a sudden you read it and you think, I've never even caught that before. I'm always excited as a preacher when that happens. But it's not always exciting because sometimes it's for that instruction. But it's always for righteousness trying to make me draw closer to Him. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, which means it is God-breathed for us. Scripture is profitable for doctrine, our body of beliefs, our system of beliefs, how we live the Word of God. We've got to take our faith and we've got to put works to it for reproof, for that conviction. It tells us we're wrong. We are we are against condemnation. Condemnation has no place in this church because this is His church. But we do believe in conviction. Correction, literally. How do I straighten up? How do I do the right thing? How do I... This is not... I don't believe in a list of rules and do's and don'ts. I don't believe in that. I don't believe in legalism. I don't believe in following that mentality. I, I don't... Not at all, but I do believe in trying to let this Word direct me to be like Him. Instruction in righteousness, to educate and to train through discipline how to live right. I need those things. And we believe, verse 17 of chapter 3 of 2 Timothy, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. That means he needs to be complete to the best of his ability and by the power of God, and he needs to be equipped. And thank God this Word is every tool you need in the tool belt. It really is. Foundation matters. Again, say it. I don't want you to get bored. I won't take much longer, but it's important that we cover this the first night. Foundation matters. Very famous uh, city, Pitcher, Oklahoma. Used to be, anyway, very famous. It got its name from Oliver Pitcher, who in the early 1900s graduated from Stanford University, became a very successful lawyer. His father actually owned the lead and mine company that 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 mined for lead and zinc and in nineteen oh nine his father convinced his son to quit law and take over the company. It wasn't long until Oliver started mining in the area where the town of Pitcher, named after him, sits today. He struck gold. Well actually he struck lead. Lots and lots of lead. Statewide newspapers reported that the town was born overnight. This was around the beginning of World War I, and the demand was soaring, as you might understand, lead to make ammunition, and Pitcher became one of the biggest hubs in the region. It went from nothing to 19,000 in what felt like almost overnight. They were producing, think of the time, They were producing 10 million pounds of lead per day. In fact, more than 50% of the lead used during World War I was produced by the Pitcher Mining Company. Jobs and money were absolutely abundant as Oliver Pitcher and the entire town enjoyed the success beyond their biggest imaginations. He became an almost instant Multi-millionaire with the town named after him. Ladies and gentlemen, life was good. However, fast forward. Fast forward all the way to 2006. The United States government decided to completely close the town of Pitcher and relocate its residents. Those of you that feel temporarily on a Wednesday night relocated from church, imagine your entire city being shut down and you have to be relocated because the United States government won't let you live there. It was listed as the most dangerous city in America. What happened to this mining, this booming mining town? Two major problems, okay? Number one, when the miners pulled the lead out of the earth, it had to be separated from the limestone rock that surrounded it. And all of this leftover rock was piled into mountains around the town, some of them 300 foot high, miles of uh, uh, piles of limestone that are still sitting there, many of them today. By the time that the mine, mining had ceased, there were 30 piles totaling 178 million tons. Over the time, this lead poisoned the water supply and the water itself could not even be drank. Second major problem. The miners removed large parts of the town's subsurface beneath the ground which caused much of the city to be in imminent danger of caving in. Many sinkholes, giant sinkholes, begin to open up around the town. The, the ground in picture in a statement in a book Seth wrote, the ground and pitcher is so dangerously thin, it could cave in at any moment. He said, I remember walking through the town and some of the most dangerous areas. He said, I was literally terrified walking around. I remember trying to relax my hands because they were shaking so badly. All I kept thinking is the earth could open up at any minute. It could swallow me and no one would even No. At one point, my foot went through the ground. I fell to the ground thinking I was going to go into a cave and I was going to die. In complete astonishment of the situation, I found myself photographing the hole where my foot went through the earth, realizing just how chilling that moment really was for me. One phrase in his book said, the lead mining that once made the fortune of Pitcher, Oklahoma eventually created so many sinkholes that no one could safely live there. Broad story summarized is this. They took everything out of the ground without considering the foundation they were living on. Too quickly and too easily treating church as if it's the fix-all will leave us in a place where the foundation can crumble." I heard from a pastor not long ago that pastors a wonderful church here in North America. He said, it's unbelievable to me how many people during the COVID pandemic, during the time where we have lost communal gathering, it's unbelievable how many people have lost out in their relationship with God. He said, Brother Carson, they're not even returning now that service is open. We have people that are not coming back. He said, and I know I've realized all along, it's a foundation issue for them. Ladies and gentlemen, as we launch this series, I hope for the next month we're saying over and over, I love my church. I hope that we're not just telling one another and we're not just telling God, but we're telling others that we come in contact with. I love my church. You, you've you got to come and visit my church. Come be a part of Sunday and and, and I think we ought to be Tuning people into the online services and, and sharing about it. But, but more than buildings and programs and, and tools and renovation. And, and I love my church because I love my God. And it drives me to prayer every day. It drives me into the Word that makes me want to be like Him. I'm not excavating the foundation thinking that the structure of a building can fix every little problem. Do we need the church? Absolutely. Is it important that we come together? It's not just important, it's biblical. That's why I want to be in here on Sunday morning. Those that are able to be here, we're going to be here. We're going to worship. We can separate and we can absolutely worship God. And I'm going to tell you ladies and gentlemen, every one of us that come in here on Sunday morning, we're going to have a reason to dance. We're going to have a reason to celebrate. The fact that He's given us health and He has kept us and we've got a reason to worship Him. But it's not the building. It's not the building. The foundation of why I love the church is because He gave me this Word. And He allowed this Word to be hidden in my heart. He allowed this Word to reveal to me that there is one God and His name is Jesus. And I cannot expect a faulty foundation to hold me up if I excavate Pulling things out, thinking that it's the structure alone that will save me. So do I love my church? Yes. But I love my church body. I love my church family. We want to keep you safe. We want to see you healthy. We want to see you thrive. I, I, I pray that God will bless you. I want to pray over you right now before we end here tonight. I want to pray that God would allow His Spirit to minister to you in your home. And that you would feel the presence of God. Lord, I love you and I thank you for our time in your word tonight. I thank you for every man, woman, every young person, young adult that's taken the time to tune in. For so many during this season, they are uh, dealing with Uh, so many different thoughts and so many different situations. Some have battled grave sickness. Some have uh, uh, not felt any effects of it. Some have been uh, quite nervous and others haven't felt much at all. It's been such a different time for so many people. But what unifies us is you. We are not unified by COVID. We are not unified primarily by where we live. We are not unified primarily by what we look like. We are unified by you. And I'm praying your spirit would go into every home. I pray that it would be in every home of every individual that's watching, that's listening. I pray that the Holy Ghost would help them to surge forward. And that they would reinsure that the foundation of the Word of God in their life is strong. That they would re that the foundation of prayer is strong. Because the foundation of loving our church happens from loving you. And I cannot love you if I don't long for prayer. And I cannot love you and not long to let your word speak to me. So I pray that you'd help us as we launch on, as we move forward and bring everybody. I pray you'd give us a wonderful crowd of people here on Sunday morning, coming to serve you and worship you, those that are able, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in and being a part of this Wednesday night online Bible study. For those that are able, we sure look forward to seeing you here Sunday at 10 a.m.